0: be where we take our text here tonight, and we will read from verse number 19, Isaiah 59, 19, and we will be looking at this entire chapter, Isaiah 59, there are 21 verses. We're going to be taking them in sections. It's actually laid out as a message. There's an introduction, there is uh, several statements, and then there is a resolution And that pretty much is basically the way a message is laid out in this particular chapter. It's all there. And so Isaiah 59. But in order for us to ground our comments tonight, let's look at verse number 19. This is a famous passage of scripture. I do not like to say familiar because that that just I don't like that. So famous. This is a vintage. This is a powerful. This is a. Uh. This is a masterpiece verse. There we go. This is one of the verses in the Bible that is a masterpiece verse. Are you ready to read it? Somebody say amen. Amen. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And so for a few moments tonight, I want to preach... When hell comes, lift up a banner. When hell comes, lift up a banner. Lord, we thank you tonight and praise you for your word. We pray that you would direct our comments and our thoughts tonight. I acknowledge you in this place, and we want clarity of mind, speech, and we want to receive it, help us to absorb it. We thank you, Lord, and we worship you, and we ask all of these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. When hell comes, lift up a banner. Before we get to the end of that chapter from which we have read tonight, let's look at the first verse. And if you have your Bibles, I'm actually tonight preaching from the Premier Study Bible. And it is uh, number 66 of 1,000. 66 of 1,000. You're 83? Well... That's still pretty good. That's in the top 100. And so, so that's good. That's good. And so if you have your Bible, as a matter of fact, <clears throat> Bishop was, let me just go there. I don't want to waste too much time, but this was really good. He preached on Sunday morning. If you were here on Sunday morning, he was basing his sermon off of two words. Does anybody remember what that was? Marvel not. He was talking about Marvel not. And so he talked about uh, one verse that he read was, if thou, I think this was his text. If thou seest the oppression of the poor and violent, perverting of judgment and justice in a province, marvel not at the matter, for he that is higher than the highest regardeth and there be higher than they, meaning God's sovereign over everything. But I looked down in the study notes, and this is what the commentary said. There will always be more injustices than any one individual can resolve. This is not advice to detach oneself from involvement in areas where justice can be served, but it is rather a caution to stay within the limits of one's capability. That's really good. That is very, very good. You can't solve all the world's problems. It's an impossibility, but you can do what you can do. And that's the point of the wise man's words. So if you have your Bibles here tonight, uh, there are some key words in chapter 59. If you have your Bible and you have the ability to write, I would circle the first word in the chapter. Behold, and then go down to the second verse and circle, but, and go down to the ninth verse and circle, therefore, therefore. These are the three points. Behold, but therefore. And this chapter begins by saying, this is another majestic verse. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. This is the foundation for the entire chapter. Now, we're going to get into some complex and some deep stuff. But before we ever get there, Isaiah is wanting to make the claim in the beginning that the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot reach, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. So whatever follows, it's not the Lord's problem because God is able to do what we have sung about tonight, the impossibility. Sometimes people will come to God, and sometimes it's new disciples, and they're trying to get themselves out of the entanglements of the world and their past and everything, and it's really difficult, and they're trying their best, and sometimes they feel like that their head is barely above water, and they're treading, trying to stay afloat. And I hear comments like, It's just too hard. Why would God put me in situations like this? And my response is Whoa, 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 wait a minute. It's not God. It's not God that's the problem. It's not God that can't reach. It's not God that can't empower. It's not God that can't strengthen. It's not God that has the ability and the anointing to pick us out of where we need to be picked out. It cannot be that. It cannot be that God is weak. It cannot be that God is limited. It cannot be that. Because God gives to us the Holy Ghost which empowers us. And he says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So it's not a problem with God. Therefore, it must be a problem with me or my situation or those that are around me or the environment or the dysfunction I'm getting out of. The problem's the problem. The problem's not God because God is big enough to handle it, great enough to pick us out of it and establish us. So Isaiah wants us from the very beginning to know God is a God that can reach out. You say, well, you don't know my situation. I probably don't. And it may look bleak, And it may look like it's an impossibility, but I'm hanging on to something, and what I'm hanging on to is his arm is not short that it cannot reach. His hand has the power and the ability and the authority to pull you out of miry clay and establish you on a rock to stay. Isaiah wants to establish this right from the very beginning. God... Hears his ear is not heavy that he cannot hear, he hears that's the first point, and that's the introduction to the message that Isaiah is delivering. And it's a powerful introduction. And we could stay here for a while because God works in impossibilities. Many times, you'll talk to people, and they'll have in their mind a theodicy. A theodicy is an understanding of evil, and in their minds, If there's evil, then that's a problem with God because if God was a just God and a merciful God, then he wouldn't allow some of these things to happen. Okay, well, let's just take, for the sake of the argument, let's just take God completely off the table, all right? Let's remove God from your argument completely. Is the world going to be any better than it is with God outside of the picture? I'm here to tell you tonight it would not be. It's the faithful in the world doing their very best in the kingdom of God to have an influence on people around them and situations around them to try to propagate the gospel and push it forward. You take God out of the picture, you're going to have just as bad of a problem and much, much worse say, well, give me your evidence. Well, look at countries like Russia. Look at Stalin and Lenin that killed millions of people because they extracted God out of the equation. Look at Pol Pot in Cambodia that said there's not going to be any religions. Millions suffered and died. We live in a crazy, crazy world. But if you take God out of the equation, it gets even crazier. Right before I came in tonight, I was having the pre-service meeting, and a man by the name of Dennis called me. And he's working on some concrete out here. And he said, what do I call you? When he, first thing he said, what do I call you? I call you Kevin or Pastor Kevin. I said, oh, you can call me whatever you would like. He said, well, what does an atheist call you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess whatever they want to call me. He said, well, I'm just a concrete guy. And I didn't think fast enough. But if I would have thought fast enough, Brother Casey, I would have said, well, are you an atheist concrete guy? (laughs) Next time. Don't you hate that? You think of the thing to say, but it's already passed and gone. It's too late. (laughs) I wish I was quick like that. it's a, uh, I'll, get, I'll get him later at some point, but it's like you know weeks down the road you say, I wish I would have thought of that because that would have been the thing to say. But it's too late. It's too late. So Isaiah wants to establish here in the beginning that God is a God that can reach, touch, and work. But, is the second statement in verse number two, and this is where it gets very, very interesting. But your iniquities... Have separated you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, and he will not hear, for your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. This this is a description of a people that have gone off the rails. These are the people of God. This is the promise of God that God has given. And Isaiah said, God is a God that's powerful and he is strong and he has the ability. But you are separated from him. You are separated in fellowship from him. Because of the things that are in your life and the iniquities These are the things that have separated you and so you're not in fellowship with God and you're not in the blessing of God because you can't be in the blessing of God if you've ignored God and you're not going the same direction as God and not only have you walked away from the blessings of God but the benefits of God the benefits of God the prodigal son sitting in with the swine getting ready to eat the husks that the swine were fed he is in a situation where the father still loved him greatly father every single day was going out and was looking at him from looking for him from afar every single day there was still a love in the father's heart for the prodigal son but he was separated from the benefits of being in daddy's house because he made some choices and some decisions And he had walked away from some of those things. So there was no fellowship, there was no blessings, and there was no benefits. And because there are no benefits, many times there is no protection. Because when you decide to sever yourself from a walk with God and relationship with God, sometimes God gives you over to the things that you desire. And in in those desires, you find yourself in a whirlwind that is by your own doing, and there's no protective hand of God that is walking with you. Praise God. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say here tonight, I don't want there to be any obstacle to stand between my fellowship with God. I want the blessings of God. I need the benefits of God, and I need the hand of God to bring protection to me. We need to clap our hands and say emphatically, as people of God, we want to stay connected to the Lord whose hand is able to reach us. Israel was at a time in their history in which this environment has been produced in their spiritual life. Verse number five they hatch cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. There are things that they have created that is producing stuff out of that creation. You step on an egg, out comes a snake, because these are the thoughts and the intents of their hearts. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works, Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. All that they are going to produce out of their webs is hypocrisy and falsehood. And there is no way that you can clothe yourself in this spider's web. It has only one purpose, and that is to catch its prey. This is the condition and the environment of the people of God. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Therefore, that's the next point. But before we get to the next point, let's talk about the first point in his message. Because of their condition and because of the obstructions that are in the way, God's not going to respond to that. They're making crooked paths. They're, They're weaving spider's webs. Their approach is not redemption and reconciliation. Their approach is destruction, and it is a destruction that destroys It is a hypocrisy. It is a working against the innocent. Their feet run swift to evil... And they shed innocent blood. And so there is a description of all the things that separate them from God. I want to be connected to the King of kings and Lord of lords. This should not be the story of Israel. And it certainly should not be the story of the church. Because the church is all about trying to get people into an avenue. And into a unity of getting things right. Moving into a direction to where there is not unity where there is unity but not disunity Working together to bring reconciliation. Everything that we do should be trying to push people. Mold people. Shape people to that endeavor. And it's an obstruction. It is a people that have gone out of their minds with their own self will. This is the notion and the idea and the environment and the story of Israel. That is separated from God. And all the good things of God. Because their iniquities are in the way. Help us God to remove every sin out of our lives so that we do not become a testimony that is a negative testimony to a world, but help us be a testimony of life because we refuse to allow anything to stand between us and God. If we're wrong, help us to get it right. If we sinned, help us to get it right. If we failed, help us to get it right because we need the blessing of God and the anointing of God and the protection of God, and the hand of God. It's not God's problem, says Isaiah. At the beginning, his hand is not short, that it cannot reach because he's reaching, and his ear is not hindered, that he cannot hear because he's listening. But what has separated his abilities is your actions. What separated his hearing is your own actions, the things that you have produced, the stuff that you have has become like stepping on a snake's egg and out comes a snake and the only thing that comes out of that is all kinds of bites and viper and venom and everything else. I'm telling you, this is not the way church should be. Israel, this is not what God called you to a promised land for. You have forgotten some things and, and you need to make your path straight instead of crooked paths, make your path straight before God. straight path. Therefore, this becomes the second point in verse number nine. Therefore, judgment is far. These are the consequences. When when you live this way, again, remember, how did we start? His hand is not short that it cannot reach and his ear can hear. But there's some things that come between you and God, and this is one of the reasons why he has rejected you. Therefore, so when you live that kind of life and you spin these kinds of webs, when you do this and you, when you lay those kinds of eggs, there's going to be some consequences. It's going to produce some things. Oh, praise God, I'm preaching here tonight. If you're spinning webs and you're laying eggs and they're ungodly and unrighteous ones, would you please hear this preacher and would you get it right so that it doesn't bite somebody and cause harm to somebody and somebody else walks into all of that and stumbles upon them, uh, upon that and all of a sudden that becomes an obstacle to revival. We need to make sure that God calls us into a promised land so that we can call others to come with us. There's nothing in Egypt, but there's a better place Get it right, get it right, get it right. Let me just say this as a side note. If you hear stuff, what we should be saying is get it right. Get it right. Take it to the pastor. Whatever he says, get it right. Fix it. Work through it. It's worth it. It'll be worth it. It's going to be a struggle, but it's worth it. Get it right. Don't repeat stuff. Some stuff you repeat may not even be true. And then you get in all this kind of stuff, spider webs and all of this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, we come in here, and instead of having a freedom of worship, it feels like we're trying to get through spider webs. And we're walking around trying to step over vipers. We need a unity in the house of God and a revival atmosphere so that someone can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, so that someone can build an altar and repent of their sins And so someone can be baptized in the name that's above every name. Therefore, therefore, man, this is this is heavy, heavy stuff, Isaiah 59. When hell comes, sometimes hell comes. Sometimes it's by our own doing that hell comes. And therefore, therefore what? Listen to what happens. Here's the consequences. This is what they never tell you about sin. There's, con- there's always consequences. But they kind of gray that out, kind of move that to the background. They don't want to talk about the consequences of sin. There's some folks in this place tonight that know there's some major consequences. and You paid the price. All of us, many times, all of us, if we're alive and breathing, we, we know what that means. We've been there, done that. There's a lot of disenfranchised people that bought that marketing scheme and the promotion of the devil himself. And tried to live that life and and, and realized very, very quickly, all it did was destroy my mind, destroyed my relationships, bankrupted me into poverty, gave me all kinds of addictions. Anybody what I'm anybody hearing what I'm saying here tonight? But thank God in the house of God we can say, you know what? Forget all the consequences. Somewhere I gotta plant a banner when hell comes in. I gotta stake a flag. Well, let's look at some of these consequences then. Therefore, judgment is far from us. Neither doth justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity for brightness. But we walk in darkness, stumbling around, walking in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumbled at noonday as in the night. We are in a desolate places as dead men. We're walking around blind. We've got eyes, but we can't see. It's, we're walking around in darkness. We're living in a world of darkness. There is no judgment, and there is no justice. We roar all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none for salvation. But it is far, from, far off from us. Our transgressions are multiplied and our sins testify against us and our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. The things that we did wrong in our iniquities, they're there to testify. We know them. They're there presently before us all the time because those are the consequences. That's the therefore of the situation that we've gotten ourselves in. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. Another magnificent passage of scripture here. Boy, you could really highlight this chapter up. Here it is. And judgment is turned backward and justice stand at the far off. For truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. Truth had fallen in the streets. Judgment is turned away backward. These are the consequences. And the Bible says that God saw this and it displeased him. It displeased him. He was angry. Isaiah 59 is some of the same reflections that Jesus Christ has at the end of his life when he's going to Calvary and in the midst of all the pain and the suffering and the persecution and the marks on his body and the blood that is shed, there is a righteous indignation that rises up in him and says I'm going to nail this to the cross truth has fallen in the streets there is no judgment. There is nothing that can take away the sting of sin, death, hell, and the grave. But one way I'm going to get to the cross is by righteous indignation. And it's going to rise up within me that's going to carry me all the way until I pin those iniquities on the cross and blood runs down that becomes effective, that is able to wipe away every sin and every iniquity and every wrong and every struggle. I pray to God that we have the same righteous individual nation against sin and the enemy and the accuser of the brethren that loves to wreak havoc on and destroy people's lives. There needs to be something in me that says, I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to fast. God's going to bring revival. There's a miracle that is going to take place in the midst of all the chaos and the pain and the suffering. Oh, come on, let's agree together in this place. God's going to do it. He's upset against sin. If he's upset against sin, I'm upset against sin. It's time for us to take up the mantle. Many times we hear something we want to run with it instead of doing this. Being upset against the sin. We want to talk about the failure. Oh, Lord, help, 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 help. And he saw, verse 16, he saw there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. nobody praying about it there's nobody interceding on behalf of it when problems arise rather than talk about it why don't you pray about it Mm. there was no man therefore his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness it sustained him For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, according, he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands. He will repay recompense. God rises up. Now he comes as a lamb, but I'm telling you, he's not a weak lamb. John the Revelator said, I saw a wounded lamb coming out from the throne. What was he talking about? He was talking about the king of kings and lord of lords that appears as a lamb. The lamb that is slain from the beginning of the foundation of the world. But what is really working internally inside of that lamb is not a weak lamb, but it is a powerful lamb. This is why John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. How can he do that? Because he puts on a cloak, and he said, Judgment is coming, and justice is coming, and a work of God that is terrible is coming. I'm going to take it to the cross. So we come to the conclusion here tonight in verse number 19. So, They shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, when hell comes, the spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him or raise up a banner against hell. It is a flag that is planted, that is a flag in which Jesus Christ at Calvary said, I'm going to snatch the keys to death, hell and the grave. And I'm going to make a way where there seems to be no way. I'm going to supersede sin and destruction. And I'm going to redeem individuals from the hand of the enemy the therefore that happens is God shows up on the scene and says I am the redeemer and I am here to redeem every situation doesn't matter how bleak it may look, the butt that you read about, all the iniquity and and the spider webs and the viper nests and the eggs that are hatched, I'm going to be a God that is greater than all of that because my hand is still able to reach and my ear is still able to hear and I'm going to do a wonderful work and a marvelous work that is going to redeem people from the hand of the enemy. It may look like confusion. It may look bad, but I'm going to be a God that in the midst of all of that, I'm going to bring a hope that maketh not ashamed. I'm going to produce a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. I'm going to provide a peace that passes understanding. we stand together in the house of God tonight, I'm going to be the redeemer. But, but, but look at all these things, all this iniquity, all this stuff. There's people sitting on these church pews that God has redeemed years from the hand of the enemy and God has conquered. Praise God. We need to give him thanks for that. He's a God that redeemed. When hell comes, raise a banner. What is the banner? The Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard. The Spirit of the Lord is what is the blowback to everything that would try to to consume you. There is something that goes back. When confusion comes, anointing comes back. When difficulty comes, God makes a way, comes back. Hallelujah. When the comes, there's a lawyer in your corner called Jesus Christ. When the accuser will ignore Jesus Christ, there's a judge that is God over all, and he's in the form of Jesus Christ. And so there is a response back to hell. You need to go back and tell hell, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There is a spirit. There's a spirit of anointing. There's a spirit of power. There's a spirit of strength that comes back. Praise God. Verse number 20. Two verses left tonight. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression. In Jacob saith the Lord. The Redeemer's coming. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth nor out of the mouth of thy seed nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed saith the Lord from henceforth and forever what is he saying he's saying from generation to generation to generation to generation there's a redeemer it doesn't matter how bad it gets how bad it looks there's a redeemer situations may arise there's a redeemer things may separate people from God there's a redeemer there's a lot of spider webs and junk. There's a Redeemer. There's a lot of snake eggs wandering around. There's a Redeemer. When hell comes, when hell comes in like a flood, I'm going to plant a banner, the Spirit of God, in the midst of all of that and say, there is a Redeemer that's bringing a miracle and revive may not happen in that situation but it's coming over here we may have planted over here and nothing happened but there's an increase coming over here praise God praise God praise God. when hell comes raise up a may be going through hell tonight and situations in your life, circumstances in your life. I would challenge you tonight to step out of the pew where you are. The ministry is here to pray with you. If you've got a need in your body, in your life, and you feel like I'm in the midst of turmoil, I'm, I'm telling you, plant a banner. Plant the Spirit of God. If you're in struggles tonight, there is one thing that is going to help you conquer it and get through it, and it is the anointing of God. The Spirit of God raises up a standard. Praise God. We're going to join with these that have gathered together. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to be the redeemer of every situation that is represented here in this place tonight. I want you to lift up your voice together as we pray. Lord, we thank you, and we praise you. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, that's it, all over this building. Lift your voice.